0: it says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. And we read then we go there, okay, we're waiting on the Lord. We shall renew our strength. We mount up with wings as eagles. We run and not be weary. They walk and not be faint. So I'd like to make one agreement, all of us anonymously in here, before we, we start running, or waiting seems to be an active thing, right? doesn't seem to be very passive, that if we're going to, Um, renew our strength, that if we're going to mount up on wings, if we're going to run and not be weary and walk and not grow faint, it seems to be an active process. we agree? So keep that in mind as we're going through um, tonight. I'm going to go through, I have three points that I want to get through. Um, We went, as I said, Crystal and I went on vacation this week and we went up to Glenwood Springs and hiked to Hanging Lake. And I don't know if any of you have ever been there and If you haven't, it is worth the trip to go see it. It's the most beautiful thing. If you saw pictures on my Facebook, it doesn't even do it close to justice. It's beautiful. Um, But we get there, and and I told Crystal, I said, there's going to be a line of cars. The parking lot's not very big, so we'll sit in line for a while. And uh, so we get there, and of course, we're backed way up. And we sit and sit and sit and sit, and I said, it'll probably be about 45 minutes before we get there. Well, then pretty soon you see people, and it's like a domino effect. One gets out of their car, walks to the front, sees what's going on, comes back, says something to whoever's in the car, and it's like the person in the next car goes. And we sit there, and we're just laughing. Like, we're going, it's not making the line go faster to go see what's going on up there. But they just, they keep going. And then pretty soon, a vehicle would pull out. Another one would turn around. Another one would turn around. Another one, they didn't know what they were missing out on. I had seen it before. Crystal hadn't, but I kept telling her, it's worth the wait, I promise. Even if we sat here for three hours, it would be worth the wait to see this thing. Um, But people didn't know the value of what they were missing out on, so they turned around, and they left early. And so my first point tonight is, before we can even wait on God, we have to recognize the value of what we're waiting on. Do we know the value of what we're waiting on? The the, the spoken word of God, it says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will uh, last forever. Do we know the value of what he has on our life that he is truly able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, that he has plans and purposes for us, that his thoughts are higher than ours? Do we recognize the value of what God has for us? Do we recognize the value of what we're waiting on? Because if we don't even recognize that value, we'll turn around before we even start. We don't need to know how to wait on God because we won't wait. We just we leave. And these people missed out because we're going to this lake, and, a beautiful lake, and they turned around And then we passed some people on the trail that that turned around, and they were almost to the top, and they had turned around and went back. And I told Crystal, man, they will regret that. This is the coolest thing, one of the coolest things I think you'll ever see. And the same way with God is if we don't recognize the value of what it is, then we'll turn around. Our comfort will outweigh our confidence in what God has for us, and we'll turn around early. And so that's in in my first point, and the, the other example I had We all have, you know, we go out of town because we have so many eating places to choose from here in Alamosa. So when we go out of town, we're always like Olive Garden, Texas Roadhouse, Outback, whatever. We are going to eat at one of these places. And we get really, really excited about it until we get there and the wait's like an hour and a half. Then you find out how much value that place had to you because you might turn around and decide, you know, I think I'll settle for something else. Or we stay there. If it's Starbucks for me, the wait could be seven hours. I'm going to sit there. And wait for my Starbucks I just that's what I'm gonna do that has value to me and I'm gonna sit out the wait I'm not gonna leave early I'm not gonna be the one to leave lines so the person behind me could have it I'm gonna wait the whole time for my Starbucks because it has value to me and the same way with the things that God to go how much value have I put on the things of God how much value have I put on what God has spoken over my life or that I'm believing for even the thing you're believing for how much value have you put on that actually coming to pass because if you don't think it'll happen, you'll stop believing for it before it ever comes. And so taking that time to go in our, in our first point to go, what, what is that value? Because without value, we will always settle for something else. God doesn't have like a phone service. It says call to him and we'll answer him. So I can just imagine us, Hey, God, so I was interested in this offer you have in Isaiah. And I just want to know what the wait time on was that was. <laughs> it's deciding if it was worth it. He doesn't work that way. He's not out there going, well, uh, current wait time is 50 minutes. Here's your buzzer. I'll buzz you when you're ready. Have some peanuts. They're complimentary. That's not, that's not God. We can't call him and find that out. That it, it takes trust. It takes what is our value on what he has. And so that first point, what is our value? Our comfort cannot outweigh the value of what God has in store, and we will always settle. Our willingness to wait reveals the value that we place on an object. You look at people throughout the Bible. I mean, Noah was like 500 when he built the ark. That's a long time to wait. Moses was in the desert for 40 years. And then again for another 40 years when he was with the Israelites. <laughs> like He just liked the desert. So he stayed there for a while. The, the waiting is over and over and over. What are the, what's the value? And how long are you willing to wait? How long are you willing to wait without, with, without the whining? How long are we willing to wait and stand in faith? How long are we willing to wait because it has value? And know that we're going to be there and it not be a question. Because if you give yourself an option for a way out or an option to quit, you will. And so what is, what is our value? Um, my second point here is what kind of waiters are we? And I have another really great story. So my brother and uh, sister-in-law got married, wow, almost two years ago. And uh, we were setting up for their wedding. And my mom decided she wanted to clean out the pond. So she got this <laughs> little thing of pond cleaner. And it's supposed to eat the algae and turn it a pretty color. So she pours the amount that she's supposed to put in the pond. This is a pretty good-sized pond, and she waits for a while. And she doesn't see anything happen. So she's like, well, clearly this isn't working. I should use the whole jug. (laughs) So, So that's what she did. She poured the whole jug into the pond. Still didn't see anything happen. Goes to bed, slightly disappointed. My dad and I walk out the next day. And we have like Smurfville growing outside. Like <laughs> the cattails are blue and <laughs> the weeds are blue. And I'm sure there was nothing living in there anymore. And I was kinda worried for you know anything to drink out of there. Told the kids not to swim in it. It was it was blue. It looked like blue jello. It was awful. It was the worst blue in the world. It looked so fake. We thought it would fade. No, it took like a year. It was it was terrible, but it was really fun for everybody that came to the wedding. So what kind of water is this? We'll <laughs> have my mom explain it the whole time. But the purpose of that being, what kind of waiters are we? Just because we don't see something working right away, do we take it into our own hands? She didn't see it for a few hours. so She's like, don't worry, I got this, guys. The situation is under control. I can handle it. <laughs> that's not, And that's sometimes how we are with God. But God, it's not working like I thought it would. I, don't, I prayed about it yesterday. I prayed about it last week, but I don't see it working. Don't worry, I got this. Clearly, you have left me the resources to do this. So then we take it into our own hands. Um, this Abraham and Sarah are a prime example of that. They, they couldn't wait that full time, so they took it into their own hands. So they kind of, I have a, a few definitions here, because I want to know what kind of waiters we are. So I've been reading through and studying this. and like, what kind of waiter am I? But we have a weary waiter. And weary is feeling or showing tiredness because of, of lack of rest. Sometimes we're believing something for so bad. Sometimes that we, we, we want to see God work. Sometimes we want him to answer this prayer that we have that we lose sleep. We can't rest. We have no peace. We're anxious all the time, worried all the time. There, there's no rest for us. It's just this constant. And so we become a weary waiter. And I know it's... it's I gave my all W names so they all rhyme because I'm OCD. But (laughs) so he can be a weary waiter. And I think about, we've been talking, my dad's been ministering on the Holy Spirit, and when Jesus said to go wait in Jerusalem, he was talking to 500 people. And then when we get to Acts and the Holy Spirit comes, there's only 120 people there. 380 people. One, back to point number one, they probably didn't recognize the value of what they were waiting for. What value was it? The biggest thing in the Bible, it's like building up to this moment of the Holy Spirit coming. But they didn't recognize the value of it. And then they probably were a little bit tired because they probably thought it was like the first April Fool's joke ever played. (laughs) They were like, so some guy that was on earth left earth and told us to go wait at this place. I mean, I would play that joke on somebody. Hey guys, I'm gonna send you a gift if you could all go over there just to see who goes and then leave you there for a while. So they probably thought that that's what was happening here. Like, some guy that's not even here anymore told us to go wait. There's 500 of us, and he wants us to wait for something we've never heard of. Why? It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. So they were probably a little bit tired. They were probably a little bit concerned as to what was happening. So they didn't wait. And there was 120 that did. And 120 received what God had for them. And it changed the entire world. It changed changed everything. But I have to think about those 380 who left. And I don't want to be one of them to go, God said to do something. God told me to be somewhere. Maybe God told you to move to the valley, and you don't know why you're in the valley, because it is the most abnormal place in the universe. But God told us to be in the valley, and God's calling you to tell you that you are in the right place, Jerry. (laughs) Jerry. (laughs) to be here we don't know why God has us here we don't see anything changing we don't see anything changing in our marriage we don't see anything changes in our finances we don't see any changes that we're believing for but God told us to be here and wait here and I'm not in ministry the way I want to be and I'm not doing what I want to do will we grow weary or will we wait because what God has for us is so much bigger than we can imagine And what God has for us is on purpose and for a purpose. But we can grow weary so easily. We can quit so easily. And I don't want to be one of those people. And so don't grow weary. The Bible says not to grow weary while doing good, but in due season it will reap. God's timing is perfect. Our timing isn't. You know, I thought to myself, man, my life is nothing like I thought it would be. And I thought, that's probably good, because the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than ours, and his ways are higher than ours, so if it was exactly what I thought it would be, it would be so much less than what God thinks I should have. But we say that all the time, I never thought I would be here, I never should be in this place. Good. I'm glad you never thought you would be here, because that means God's probably doing something. And we got to trust him in that. we got to trust him with what he's doing, we got to trust him with where he has us. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good. God's timing is perfect. And by listening to him, just that simple act of surrender of listening and being where he's called us to be, that's where it's going to reap, and that's where he's going to bring fulfillment. So don't grow weary. Um, the next kind of waiter is we have our wandering waiter. The Israelites, they were wandering waiters. I told my mom they were wandering waiters that were following wonder after wonder. that they, they followed what God was doing for them in the, in the desert. It was a 40-day journey from Egypt, to the promised land, that turned into 40 years because they're really bad waiters. It was just a 40-day journey, very short journey, but they were following what God could do for them. So they were following, well, God's moving here, we'll go here. God's supplying here, let's go here. God's not supplying, let's do what we want. God's doing here, let's go here. God didn't supply there, we're going to build an idol. God didn't supply there, we're going to do this. So I have to wonder, in our lives, are we wandering waiters? Do we move around from where we see God moving instead of just going where he's asked us to go and trust in him? Or do we move around? Do we follow sign after sign after sign and only show up when God shows up and the rest of the time do what we want? Not being a wondering waiter. So we got the Israelites in trouble and I want to flip over. Let's go to Psalms uh, 106.12. And this is David obviously writing, but he's talking about the Israelites. And it says, Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sentliness to their soul. They didn't wait. They didn't wait for God's counsel, they didn't wait for God's direction. And it says, So God gave them their request. And that kind of scared me a little bit, to be honest. Because I'm going, what if I'm, I'm believing for something, and I want something so bad, but I haven't surrendered who I am to what God wants, and I haven't surrendered to waiting on God the way he wants me to, and I have wanted something so bad that I've prayed that i pray prayed that finally God goes, okay, you can have it. Because I never surrendered, because I didn't wait for what he had for me. So it says that he gave them to their request, but sent leanness to their soul. They got what they wanted, but then they were unfulfilled forever. There was no fulfillment. Isn't it see God working the way that they wanted him to. So God finally gave him over and said, okay, take it. But then there's leanness to their soul where they, they couldn't be fulfilled. And as I was studying this last couple of weeks, I go, holy cow, God, don't. Let me stay in a place of surrender that I never once pray for something that you give me over to that, that is outside of what you have for me. Don't let me ever surrender to a place that I, that I take and you turn me over where I, I can live unfulfilled forever. Where I miss the promised land but got everything that I wanted. And so in waiting on God, and I'm, I'm gonna make this point later on, but I wanna make it here too. Sometimes we think that waiting on God is, you know, just... God, are you going to come do something for me? I'm waiting for you. I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. I'm waiting for you to do something for me. I'm waiting for you to answer all these prayers. And that list I have over there, and this dream list I have, I'm waiting for you to answer it. I need you to come surrender to my plan. When really, waiting on God is us surrendering so that he can accomplish his plan through us. But instead, so many times we want God to come surrender to our plan so that we can call it God and do it. God gave me this. But then we don't use it to glorify him. But then we don't use it. We use it for our benefit, not his. That's not waiting on God. Sometimes we forget who God is. It says, be still and know that I am God. Waiting on God is not sitting still, waiting for him to surrender to what Shelby wants. Waiting on God is surrendering Shelby so that God can use Shelby for what he wants and his purpose. That's the difference in waiting on God and too many times we get them mixed up. God, I'm believing for this. That's cool. I'll give, you, I'll give it to you if you want it. But that scared me right there and he goes, he gave him over to it. He gave them their request and sentliness to their soul. and I'll get to the rest of those uh, points in a minute because I'm getting way ahead of myself. Jeez. But um, are we a worry waiter? A worry waiter. Do we wait and worry about it every five seconds? I'm waiting on God, but I don't know if he's going to answer me, and I don't know if... And we're anxious, and we worry, and we worry, and we worry, and we worry. The disciples were kind of worry waiters. I feel like they're worrying all the time what you're going to leave. I don't understand. Jesus is like, I told you this from day one. But they worried. He says, meet me on the other side. And then a storm comes, and they worry. And then he tells them something, and they worry. He dies on the cross, and they worry. I think they were kind of worry waiters. In Philippians 4:6, uh, it says to, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, making your requests known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding um, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus that worrying isn't an option when we're waiting on God that if we're truly waiting on him we're we're waiting in a place of surrender that we don't have to worry see this weariness and this um, weakness that we've talked about the wondering that we've talked about the worrying that we've talked about those, if we are waiting on God in the way that we're about to talk about next, <laughs> if we're waiting on God in the way that we're supposed to be, if we're waiting on God in the way that he designed it to be, those place in our life. We won't worry because there's a peace, because I'm waiting on God how I'm supposed to be. But if I'm waiting on God to fulfill my plan and I don't see it happening, now I worry. If I'm waiting on God and I don't see it happening and I'm here and I'm doing what he said he would do and I don't see it and it's not what I thought it would be, so now I'm a wary waiter, then that's my plan, not God's. I'm not surrendered in the way that I'm supposed to be. I'm waiting on God to do my plan. If I'm wandering from here to there to there, never just staying put where God asked me to be, never just following where He wanted me to be, wondering, but I'm not waiting on God the way He designed it to be. Do you see that? Does that make sense? Let's flip over to Matthew 6:25. Uh, It says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is life more than food, um, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither soar nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? who you have little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows all you need. But seek ye, fee- ye first sorry, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I think that answers our worrying question there. Are we a worry waiter, though? And so many times we do. We worry about so many things, uh, news that we get, something that we're not seeing accomplished, something that I'm lacking, that we worry. It's such a great example here that God goes, look at the birds. I take care of them. Look at the grass. Look at the flowers. And you are of so much more value to me, but, but we worry. Waiting on God, there's no worry when we're we're waiting on God the way we're supposed to. We don't grow weary when we're waiting on God the way we're supposed to. We don't wander when we're waiting on God the way we're supposed to. Because that first verse we said, said that our strength is renewed. None of these things show me strength. But waiting on God the way he's designed it shows strength. Make sense? So our last kind of waiter, and we'll get to our last point, is a worship waiter. Are we a worship waiter? And one of my favorite examples is David. It says that he was a man after God's own heart, but he worshiped the entire time through. And I think what made David king was how he waited. I think it could have been completely different if he wouldn't have waited the way he did. When when he was told he was going to be king, somewhere between 12 and 16 years old, somewhere in there, um, That's when he was told he was going to be king. He didn't actually become king until he was 30. And so he could have just, cool, I'm going to be king. But there was something God wanted to do in that period between when he was told he was going to be king and when he became king. And that's that waiting period that sometimes we, why am I waiting? I must be doing something wrong. God has forgotten me. God's not here. Where has he gone? He's not answering my prayers. I'm never going to see it. It's never going to happen. That's that time between when David was told he was going to be king and when he actually became king. And I feel like that that is what actually made David the king that he was, was that time. I think that time in the desert for Moses is what made him a leader. I think the time in prison for Joseph is what made him a ruler. I don't think it was because they got the title. I think it was because of what the waiting made them. It was what happened in that waiting period. That's what made them who they were. And so in this time of of waiting, we're all waiting on something in our life. So in this time of waiting, what are we going to do with it? Because with what I've studied, with what is in the Word of God, with what even look at David, it, it, anybody in the Bible, the times that they waited, that's what allowed them to answer the call the way that God had it for them on their lives. And so I find it is the most pertinent, most important time with how we handle that waiting period. And I would say all of us are in some sort of waiting period. How are we handling that? Are we waiting on God to show up and do what we want? Or are we a worship waiter? Are we somebody that's on our knees going, God, what what do you want? I'm gonna wait actively for you. Waiting is not sitting around doing nothing. Waiting is very active, a constant and a daily surrender to know that we are surrendered to everything that he has for us each and every day. That he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. That his mercies are new every morning. That he's given us what we need for today. But I'm not gonna miss a day in waiting. I'm not going to miss what you have for me in this season because I feel like what God has for us in our waiting season is what is going to allow us to maintain and handle what he has for us in the end season. But if we miss what he has here, we will not receive the fullness of what he has here. If we are discontent in our waiting, we will be discontent with the answer. It will not be fulfilled. But if we're discontent now, we will be discontent with the answer that God brings. The waiting is when, because we're supposed to be fulfilled. If everything about us is supposed to be renewed, our strength be renewed, we will run and not grow weary, will will walk and not grow faint. Then we, there's no room for discontentment, and we can't be discontent with the answer because we are discontent with the process. So, what are we doing with the waiting time right now? Um, Psalm 42:11. We're going to read a couple verses here in Psalm, which is how David waited. It says that he was a worshipper. And this is, this is how I want to wait, but I want to point something out. Here's, we read a couple of these. Psalm 42, 11 says, Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me, hoping God? For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And David, in these, in these different times of waiting, and you can read all of 42 right there, it really talks about just um, him waiting. But I thought about that so many times in the waiting we, go, we really feel cast down. It says, why do you feel cast down on oh, my soul? Well, then if you read through Psalms several times, it says, my soul waits for the Lord. Like, why doesn't it say that I wait for the Lord? Why is it my soul? So I thought about what makes up our soul. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. How many of you know when you're waiting for something, your emotions kind of go haywire, your mind goes with them, and then your desire surely follows, right? So David said, my soul waits for you. And throughout Psalms, you'll read, it says, my soul waits, meaning I have come to the place in this waiting that I have surrendered my mind, my will, and my emotions to what God has, that they are lined up with him. I do have joy. I do have peace. I do have comfort. I'm not relying on fear, anxiety, worry, because that's what my soul would do on its own. But it wasn't just David saying, I surrender to you, that he is actively going, no, I will surrender my thoughts. I will take every thought captive and line them up with the word of God. I do have joy. I do have peace. I will not allow myself to be in worry and full of fear. David took, I, I, will, I will be with the way God has me to be. I will think on the things. I will meditate on your word day and night. And I feel like that that's an active thing that we have to do because if our emotions get loose, it's hard to keep up. You can quote the word of God all day, but you let them go already. <laughs> Try again tomorrow. It's, it's, but it, several times it says, my soul. And so part of waiting on God is quieting your soul, is allowing God to quiet your soul, is is taking that time to meditate on the word to go, my soul will line up with the word of God. My mind, my will, and my emotions, I, because of how I've surrendered my mind, my emotions have to line up with that. And then my will, I desire only what God desires. But that my soul waits on God, not just me, because I can say I'm waiting on God, I can say I surrender, but are we to the place, meditating on the word of God, taking our thoughts captive, that my soul will wait on God? Because through worship, our soul has to bow down. Through worship, it says that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. If through worship, that every, we do have to bow before God. It has to surrender, that every thought has to come into captivity. That I have authority over that, that that will bow. And it will yield to what God wants me to do. And then I have peace. And then I have joy. And it doesn't matter how long I'm waiting. It doesn't matter what I know and what I don't know. All that matters is I know and I trust my God more than I trust my circumstance. I trust my God more than my discomfort. My confidence isn't moved by my uncomfortableness. That I trust God no matter what. Psalm 46, you don't have to turn there, but it says, "'Be still and know that I am God.'" That there's times that sometimes we feel like we're all over the place. Sometimes we feel like we can't get our emotions in check. Sometimes we feel like everything's just busting loose to take that time and go, whoa, whoa. who's God in this situation and who am I serving? Sometimes we just have to, to woe horse for a minute. Who am I serving and who's God in this situation? I am not God. My circumstances are not God. My emotions are not God. Who is God in this instance? To be still and know who God is. It's another way to, to have a worship, be a worship waiter. Um, lamentations 3.24. I was thinking about this today. I don't think I've ever turned to Lamentations in church. <laughs> it's kind of a hidden little book there. Poor little guy. I feel bad for him, so I thought I'd make him known. It says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good in those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So again, it says soul several times there. But the Lord is good to the soul who seeks him, to the soul that waits on him. The Lord is good to him. Um, so going forward to our, to our next point here, what are we waiting for? And it, it seems silly, but I feel like I got a really neat revelation here, Um just as I've been studying this out the last couple weeks, but what are we waiting for? We all can think of it right away. Are we waiting for a job to come through? Are we waiting for um, something to happen with a, a relationship to be restored, with, with a spouse, with kids? Are we waiting for financial uh, financial breakthrough? Are we waiting for a healing? Are we waiting for a house? What are we waiting for? And we can all think of that. Because so many times... Throughout the waiting, and this goes and I'll pull the Israelites back into this as well, but throughout the waiting, we, we wait for these things, and we wait so much that we put so much emphasis on the thing. I'm waiting for my job, I'm waiting for my house, I'm waiting for this relationship to be restored. I'm waiting that comes to pass. But see, the problem is is that thing still isn't God. And even though we've been waiting for that for so long and praying for that for so long, when it comes to pass. It's, it's still not God. And we can allow ourselves to wait for a thing instead of waiting on God. Even seeking, seeking God, surrendering to God, going, God, I, I'm just believing for this healing and believing for this healing and believing for this healing, that once we get the healing, there's still probably going to be some discontentment in our lives. And I, I was reminded of the, the story with the lady of the issue of blood. I go, she could have been, and she was waiting for years. But her biggest concern was not to get a healing, was not to get money so she can go to the doctor. Her biggest concern is she would say, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, if I could only touch Jesus. And in our waiting, so many times our focus can be on, I just need a healing in my body. I just, I've been believing for this for years. I've been believing for these relationships to be restored with my kids. I believe in, once those things are, there's still gonna be discontentment in our lives because those things aren't God. But if our biggest desire in the waiting was if I could only touch the hem of his garment, if I could only touch Jesus, he brings fulfillment. He says that he has all things for life and godliness for us. Seek ye first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Everything we need for fulfillment is in Jesus. He took it all on the cross. And so many times we can search for these things, and I wonder if we worship his hands or his heart. And that's where the Israelites got in trouble is, they, I need water. He gives water. But they forgot those things. And sometimes I have to look back in my life and just remind myself where God has been faithful because it's easy to forget those things, those things that we prayed so long for, those things that we believed so hard for to come to pass. We forget them. We don't try to, but we do because now I'm worried about something else because now I'm praying about something else because now I'm worried about something else. And so I forgot how God has been here in the past. And we have these Israelites out there doing the same thing, going, God, I need food. I need water. We need to know where we're going. And they're out there for years and years and years, following wonder after wonder after wonder. And God provided the whole time. That's how faithful our God is. He provided the whole time, but they forgot to seek his face. They forgot to touch Jesus. They had everything they needed, but they forgot Jesus. And God can give us everything we need. He can give us that healing. He can give us, and so many times, maybe I wonder if that's why we haven't seen the answer yet, because God goes, I just want you to know me. All that is encompassed with me. That's what you don't understand. Everything everything that you need, everything that you're praying for, everything that you're believing for, that comes with me. I already paid that price. It's already done. But you are believing so hard for that thing, you will be discontent again, and I don't want to leave you in that area. I don't want to leave you that way but we forget to seek God, that woman, she did with everything within her, going. if I could just touch Jesus, then I would be, I know that I would be fulfilled. It wasn't about a healing to her. It wasn't about a doctor to her. She knew who Jesus was. And if people ask you, you know, about your relationship with Jesus, and I'd ask myself this question today, can you tell him who he is to you? Or can you just tell them what he's done for you? I ask myself that today. So can I tell people who Jesus is to me because I have touched him, because I have waited on him and said, "God, I just want to seek your face. I just want to touch your garment." Or can I just tell people what he's done for me because I've seeked all these answers? And I've searched so hard. God, I, I need you to supply this need. I need you to supply that need. And I'm believing for this in my life where I believe so hard for that thing. That thing cannot bring fulfillment to my life. Only God can. And so in waiting on God, do we are we waiting on God or are we waiting on God to do something? Or are we waiting on God because we just want to touch Him? Because that's where the answer lies. And that's where all of those things. And so that's I go, God, let me... And in a bold statement, but I said to you, let me, let me sit without anything that I'm believing for until I touch you. I don't, I don't want this without you. I don't want that without you. I mean, I can tell people you sent it, but I can't tell them that's my Jesus. I can't tell them I got this, and then he can bring anything into my life, and it doesn't bring me peace forever. It doesn't bring me joy forever. The next day I could be upset. There's been, I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I watched my knee grow back. And I promised the next day I could have sprained my ankle and been real upset. And I just had my knee fixed. I've seen so many things restored, so many things in my life. But I, those things only bring partials. But Can we say I just want to touch Jesus? So in waiting on God, did it not be about something that we want it not be about some breakthrough. It not be, and those are good things. And it's the Christian lingo. But to bring it back to waiting on God is just, I want to touch Jesus. It's not about a thing. It's not about achieving. It's not about, David, David wanted to touch Jesus. He wasn't worried about when he was going to get a crown. I'd be surprised if it even talks about the crown in the Bible. He wasn't worried about that. He was worried about touching Jesus. I just want to know you. Paul and Silas worshiped through prison. They knew that if they had Jesus, they had it all. They weren't praying for, I mean, Paul says, I count all this as lost. I count it all lost that I may know Christ. Paul knew I could have anything. I could pray for anything. Paul could probably, out of everybody in the Bible, probably believed for the most. Shipwreck after shipwreck, and prison here, and prison there, and sickness here. So much for him to believe for, and I counted all his loss. I just want to know Christ. That was all that he wanted. It wasn't a healing, it wasn't a house, it wasn't, I just want to know Christ, and I'm content with that. So then, my next question to myself today, and I ask you guys the same With where you're at and you're waiting right now, are you content enough if it was that way forever because you have Christ? Or do you feel discontent because you're without it and you're still believing for it and God hasn't supplied it? I ask myself that today. Am I content? Would I be content with where I am right now just because I have Christ and that's enough for me? Or am I discontent because God still hasn't supplied something I'm praying for? Because that thing will never bring contentment. Christ will. So in our waiting, how are we waiting on God? Again, it's not sitting around. It's not, God, I'm waiting for you to come answer this. It's being in a place of surrender to go, I just want to do what you would have me to do. And that's enough. That brings every, all fulfillment to my life that I would be about your service. That I would be about what you're doing. That we not you know, forget Jesus and in, in what he's bringing. And he's always going to be faithful to supply. He's also, he's always going to, we've seen it throughout the Bible. The Israelites, everything was supplied for him. Everything was given to him. They still missed Jesus. Our God is faithful enough that he's still going to supply everything we need. Our needs are going to be met. He's going to give you what you're praying for. God is going to do that. We serve a good God. We serve a faithful God but I don't want to serve what God can do. I don't want to serve God's faithfulness. I want to serve my God. I don't want to serve what Jesus can do. I want to serve him. And so in our lives, where where are we with that? To where we go, can I serve just Jesus? And not in a degrading way at all, just Jesus. That sounded really, really bad. But (laughs) can can we serve Jesus? Or is it about the things? Am I at a place in my life that I'm content to go, I don't? I know God's going to supply my needs. I know that. That's a peace that I have. I'm not going to waste my time being worried about it. I want to know my God. And so being a worship waiter, we make time. The thing is, is we all have 24 hours in our day. Nobody gets more, nobody gets less. We all have 24 hours in our day. And we're all waiting during that time. How much of it is going to be worrying? How much of it is going to be weariness? How much of it is going to be wondering? And how much of it is going to be worshiping? Where, where are we? We have 24 hours in our day. What are we going to do with it? There's something to be thankful for all the time. And we know God's going to supply our needs, but I, I would challenge us even as a church, it's no more Jesus. It's not about all of these answers. And I feel like that if we would take the time and that's what we want to avoid, no, we want God to answer this. I need healing. I need help in my marriage. I need, and those are vital things and those are absolutely good things to have. And those are important things and we care about those things. But at the same time, I go, how about you want to know Jesus that bad? You just want it fixed so you can have peace in your home. How about we want to know Jesus as bad as we want our finances fixed? How about we want to know Jesus as bad as we want relationships with kids fixed? because we forget that part we want Jesus to fix it we don't really care to have a relationship with him I wonder if we had a relationship with Jesus if we've even had those problems or be worried about him so when waiting on God that again if we can't be content in the waiting we won't be fulfilled with the answer waiting time is not wasted time sometimes we think we're sitting here waiting I'm not doing anything I'm not doing what God's called me to do I'm not, it's not wasted time we look at the life of David before he became king. None of that was wasted. Every single second of that was, was there preparing him to be king. It's not wasted time. And it's so easy to think that because I'm not doing what I've been called to do. And I'm sure that crossed, well, read Psalms. It crossed David's mind a few times <laughs> to go, I'm not, I'm not the king that you've called me to be. I'm not king. And now the king's trying to kill me. But every single one of those moments is what made him king. So waiting time is not wasted time. God needs to develop us in the waiting so we can handle what he's bringing. Sometimes what we learn and who we become in the process of waiting is more important than what we waited for in the beginning. Is my relationship with Jesus described in who he is or what he's done for me? Again, that same question. Um, I want to go back to Isaiah where we started. But it says, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not grow faint. That is what waiting on the Lord is. Sometimes when we're just waiting on God, it's like the cliche. People are like, man, you look tired today. Yep, still waiting on God. You look frustrated. Yep, it's because I'm waiting on God. But what if we put a new, a new way to look at it, a new definition of waiting on God, do people go, man, that person must be waiting on God because they are full of more strength and joy and peace than I've ever seen in my entire life. What if that was what waiting on God was? Because that's what it says here. My mom told me something before service, and I hope I don't mess it up. If I do, future sermon, correct me. <laughs> but um, when he talks about mount up with wings like eagles, it says that when an eagle gets older that their feathers get really heavy and their beak gets really bad, decaying and such. Um, And so they become where, prey. is that what you said? Where they're they're weakened, basically. Um, Well, then they will go to a high place. And in this high place, they will pluck out all of their feathers and they will break break off their beak. And they will grow a new beak and new feathers and makes them a completely, almost a new eagle. Um... From anything old, they're able, their beak is sharpened again. They're able to hunt like they're supposed to, they're able to store like they're supposed to. Um, and that's what that actually means to be to mount up with wings like eagles. And sometimes when we're waiting, sometimes when we're waiting on God, sometimes when life hits, we feel a little bit like our feathers need plucked out and our beaks need sharpened. <laughs> but it says to go to that high place, and that's where eagles do that, it, that they shall renew their strength. And that high place is knowing Jesus. That high place is knowing Jesus. It is not in anything else. It is not in the doing. It's not in the asking for things. It's not in God supplying needs. It is in knowing Jesus. That's where that strength is renewed. And that's, uh, yeah, that's all I have for for that. But in the waiting, I just want to encourage you guys again to maybe re-examine what waiting on God is in your life and re-examine Do we know who he is or just what he does? And then taking that challenge of do I seek so hard to wait on what God's doing for me or do I seek so hard so I can just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. It wasn't even about touching Jesus. It was his garment that if we would put that much forth, that when we need an answer to go, I just want to touch Jesus today and I know that I will be fine. It's not about the answer that I need. I just want to touch Jesus. So if we can re-examine that, but if you guys will stand with me.